The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and Mitch Fortner. Sixty-one points. A banner game for the best player in the country, Aoka Lee. Not to mention the cast just cruised past number 14 Oklahoma yesterday. I noted this morning that among the tweets I saw regarding it in the world of women's college basketball, Sue Bird had a one-word tweet. All caps. Sheesh. Oh, yeah. 94-65. The final score against the top scoring offense in the country. Defense was amazing yesterday. For all of the discussion of K-State's offense, the defense had a heck of a game. Uh, I'm still blown away by yesterday's game. I'm there courtside. Let me tell you, I mean, K-State women's basketball has passed men's basketball. It is headline number one. This team is, uh, I mean, they are right now destined for some pretty great things to happen. They're in a race for a Big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. They have the opportunity to host a regional in the NCAA tournament. Like, There's a lot riding on the next month and a half, two months, mm-hmm. of what could turn out to be an incredible season. But it's so much fun on what one performance has done for not only us as fans to enjoy it, but for the university. Aokali, 61 points, is a new Division I scoring record in a game by an individual. She broke her own record at K-State in points in a game. She also broke her own record for conference game stats as well, which was actually last year against Oklahoma, too. Uh, That was actually field goals made in a conference game. Smothered that record by seven. Uh, and then she broke Brittany Griner's record mm-hmm. that was set in Manhattan, a 50-point game, and that was a Big 12 record, and then passed a couple of, uh, of players for the 60 spot for the all-time in points. An absolute dominant performance. And I noticed like early on, it's 15 nothing. Yes. K-State's defense was a big part of that, obviously. that you know Oklahoma was missing some easy shots. I will say that. Like I was su- very surprised how many shots Oklahoma missed that they should have made that were within 10 feet of the basket. But the, the feed to Aoka Lee, Oklahoma couldn't decide what to do. They, they couldn't figure out how to guard her because they wanted to double team, but they also had to make sure, hey, K-State also has these three freshmen that can – just knock down triples. So what are you supposed to do? It goes back to when they played West Virginia on the road. And West Virginia double-teamed Aokali all game long. What did the freshmen do? Three ball, three mm-hmm. ball, three mm-hmm. ball, three ball. They haven't been too good at the three ball in the last couple of games. But they also found a way to beat KU after KU tied it up and made that comeback. A great example of the frustration that Oklahoma had defensively with Aoka was the fifth foul where, and I didn't catch, don't remember the name right off the bat, but the fifth foul well, for the two, OU player. Yeah, they had two fouls, the, two players foul out. The one who went tumbling as she got called for the foul. 
because she got caught reaching and Aoka basically shrugged her off. But it explains the frustration because Aoka had fronted her, Mm -hmm. went behind her, fronted her again, and that's when the reach took place. They they had no idea how best to even individually think about defending Aoka Lee. One of the benefits of having the best player in the country, most players can't stop her. Right. There's nothing they can do. The height advantage is a big part of that. The way she has grown, yes, she's 6'6", and the way she's grown as a post player is if you've kept up with K-State women's basketball over the last three seasons, she's a junior this year, and uh, her catch and shoot to the basket, like it's all one motion, spin move, she doesn't dribble very much, Mm -hmm. she just turns and shoots, and she banks it home or hook shots, it's a beautiful move every time, and sometimes they're, they're tough moves too. Don't put it on the floor, you don't give a chance for a turnover. Keep it high. Yep, exactly. Keep it away from the opponent. Mm-hmm. Every time, oh, you wanted a double team. They bumped her quite a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, she went to the free throw line 17 times, <laughs> and she was still able to get a shot off like it was no big deal. She battles through uh, toughness, toughness, or battles through uh, adversity all the time by double teams or people hounding her. We're going to get to Wyatt Thompson here on this on that in just a moment. He will comment on that. As I taped an interview with them earlier today, they're about to leave for uh, Waco, Texas, here in a few minutes. But it, it's still, in a way, kind of hard to put into words exactly how amazing that was. The only thing that I can see that I would have liked to have seen the ending be different, I would have liked to have seen her go for a Skia Jones's record. Yeah. So yeah, Ski Jones, the sixty-two points. Against Fresno, Fresno State, State. Yep. in the NIT. Yeah. 94. Yeah, yeah. I, but you know what? The thing about Aoka Lee, she makes it look really easy. I, I was still blown away, but I was also not surprised it happened. So I knew sooner or later she would get to 50. 50's got to score 50, right? But she was just cruising with the shots. I mean, she could have easily had more, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was just in such a rhythm. That she wasn't going to be stopped, you know, 61 points is an amazing feat. But, I mean, I I think she could have scored 70. If she didn't leave the game for, for three minutes and also didn't get taken out of the game with two and a half to go, she scores 70 in the game probably. As you said, she had opportunities even that she didn't take. That speaks volumes to the coaching in terms of keeping it as team play. And doing what she did within the offense. This wasn't a day where they just overloaded her and went at her and even as time went on, were focused on getting her the record. Jeff Mitty in his postgame, I know, stated that he didn't even look at the scoreboard to notice it until yeah. it was 59. And, you know, it was just a matter of they were running their offense so well and she was within that offense taking care of her piece of it. I know as the game was going on, we were all kind of looking through media guides, game notes to figure out, all right, what are all these records? All right, she's passed the K-State record. What's the Big 12 record? What's the NCAA record? And Randy Peterson was all over it, the SID for women's basketball. He's keeping everybody updated. We all knew what the record was by the time the record got there, and the place <laughs> popped when she scored points 60 and 61 on her last field goal. Turnover by Oklahoma, and then they pull out of the game, Emily Ebert 
comes in and takes over for Aoka Lee the final two and a half minutes. And by the way, when Aoka Lee left the game, 61 points. Who else said 61 points? Oklahoma. The whole team. Yeah, yeah, as a squad. All right, we still have uh, we have Gene Taylor coming up at 525, obviously going to talk Aoka Lee. How much fun is the uh, athletic department going to have now with this Aoka Lee 61-point game? But I do want to get to this interview now with Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Wildcats. Wyatt, first got to start with Aoka Lee and how special that performance was yesterday in Bramlage Coliseum. Well, it was an amazing performance and day for Miss Lee. She is just a spectacular talent. I give her teammates a heck of a lot of credit because they just kept pounding the ball into her, and she's such a warrior, Mitch. I, I don't know if a lot of people that maybe are just part-time watchers of basketball how realize how hard it is in the women's game and how much more physical it has become to post up and get knocked around that many times. And, and and barely even be affected by it. She is just so strong and athletic. She has really good hands. It, it was a performance for the ages as far as I'm concerned, and I think it hit home with me when when uh, the announcers on television's broadcast said something to the effect of the previous record was 50 set by Brittany Griner, who I, I think you would agree with me is one of the all-time great women's college basketball players. So, I think we're, what we're trying to describe here is, is it was an exceptionally special day for a really, really talented young lady, and who knows what lies ahead. I, I think she's more than capable of doing it again some night. I really, truly do. She's amazing. Oh, absolutely. She The thing is, she made it look easy at times. Like It was yeah. some easy buckets for it's the same move. It's the same style of basketball she plays every single game. And I love the you way – go ahead. I was just going to say, you know how you should describe her from yesterday's game? Is efficient. Yeah, you can use all of the other spectacular and, and all of that, but go back and look at how many shots she took to score sixty one points. That's the amazing part. She was a very efficient. She didn't miss very many shots at all. I mean, it was just it was just extraordinary. Yeah. Her, so her stat line: sixty one points, twelve rebounds, three blocks, a steal, zero turnovers. She was 15 of 17 from the free throw line and 23 of 30 from the field in, in general, and she also played 35 minutes. And <laughs> Coach Mitty wasn't going to take uh-huh. her out. He, he said after the game, like he wasn't even looking at the scoreboard, but I'm sure at some point that somebody let the staff know. I'm sure it was Randy Peterson let the staff know that, hey, some records are being set. And for those that don't yeah. know, three records were broken, and it was at the three levels. She broke her own K-State single-game scoring record, which was 43, and that was against Central Arkansas game number one of the year. And then she breaks the Big 12 record, which was set by Brittany Griner in Manhattan, and I think that was 11 seasons ago. Deb Patterson was still the coach, and she scored 50. And then, of course, the Division One scoring record, which was previously 60. She gets a 61, and then Mitty takes her out right away. Um, and that also ties the all-time and all-divisions record, that's 61 points. But the record she broke, 60 points, you know, one of the players that scored 60 points was in a double overtime game. And <laughs> Aoka Lee already broke her own record in the third quarter. And nothing was going to stop her. Oklahoma, you know, they tried a lot of things, uh, but they, they couldn't double-team her because K-State has shooters. Not just Aoka yeah. Lee, but there's these three freshmen, by the way, that can go in at any time and knock down a triple from basically any place from around the arc. But I, I felt extremely fortunate to be able to see that 
in person. I think that's one of those memories you're going to – you tell your grandkids about. They'll be like, Grandpa, where were you when Aokali scored 61 points? And I'm like, I was there, son. I, I was there to watch it in person. I can't argue with that. I, I think it's like being at the 03 Big 12 Championship football game or yeah. like Ski Jones uh, in the NIT. I mean, there are only so many uh, <laughs> events like that. Um, you know, a couple of Jacob Pullen games. I mean, we've could we, we we've been so fortunate at K-State. Michael Beasley comes to mind, too, and, you know, so many football things. Uh, but, but that one just was... Uh, again, I'm being repetitive here, but the efficiency of of how she scored 61 points on what'd you say, 30 shots? 30. That, wow. Uh, I mean, and 15 of 17 at the free throw line. You know, somebody joked on Twitter about maybe she could be the five man for the men's team, and <laughs> <laughs> it's not the world's worst idea. No, because uh, <laughs> she, no. she can really play, man. And, and I'm joking a little bit there, of course, but. Wow, she she is she's a real talent, and the other thing that I appreciate as as much as anything is how humble she is about it, and the first to credit her teammates. Uh, how can you not love yeah. that? That's awesome. Well, somebody's got a fear of the ball, right? She's the one that gets in position, and, well, and sure. somebody's going to pass it the ball. And if you look, if you look down the assist line, uh, Serena Sendell had eight, Jalen Glenn had seven, six from Emily Ebert, he had three from. Uh, Laura Mackey, 28, <laughs> 28 assists on 33 made field goals for K-State in that game. That yeah. That's just amazing. K-State turned the ball over 12 times, but uh, yeah, that that was uh, just a, a wonderful performance. And, you know, Serena Sundell, 11 points, 8 assists in the game, 8.7 assists for Jalen Glenn. That was an absolute team effort. And I want to also look at things defensively as well for K-State, who – held Oklahoma to a season-low 65 points. For those that don't follow the women's game closely, Oklahoma has the second-best scoring offense in the country. They averaged 88 points a game, and they scored 65 points. K-State forced 17 turnovers, uh, out-rebounded the Sooners 44-26, to which uh, we'll get to that here in just a moment on the men's end. But an incredible yeah. performance and a great week for the K-State women, who also beat KU um, that game was uh, that was the midweek game for K State. That was a sixty nine sixty one game where KU came back to tie it after the Cats were up sixteen, but they got it done in Manhattan. We're speaking with the uh, the voice of the Wildcats here, Wyatt Thompson. I do now want to transition over to the the K State men, and they uh, played a couple of top twenty five teams this week: a road win at Texas, and then losing at home to number seven KU. In a heartbreaking fashion, but I, I do want to start with the Texas game. Sixty six, sixty five was the final for K State to get their tenth win of the season. I wasn't able to watch it uh, for a couple of reasons. I was on the road doing a Manhattan High game, and it was also on the right. stupid Longhorn Network, which you know who who gets that these days anyway. I don't. Some do, but <laughs> I, I suppose you're lucky for once. Thank you. you know, twice a year you're lucky, I suppose. But um, um, you know what? defensively, you can't ignore what K-State did down the stretch in the last three and a half minutes, holding Texas scoreless. Nigel Pack hitting a game-winning shot. You know, Mark Smith with 22 points. I think just overall, Wyatt, I'll get your thoughts here. The It was so impressive just seeing K-State fight their way to that victory. Fight, I think, is a good way to put it. Um, Coach Coach Weber called it a gritty performance. Excuse me. And, and I think that is exceptionally accurate. For, for me, I, I think the game was won by just K-State's 
toughness and tenacity. Those those last three and a half minutes were very, very good. But you think about for the entirety of 40 minutes, even though K-State didn't make a lot of shots early and Mark Smith carried them, you know, as this team continues to strive for closer to 40 minutes of pretty good quality basketball on both ends of the floor, I think that was the game. I, I really, truly mean that. I, I mean, Mark was excellent. Nigel is Nigel, and we'll talk more about him with the KU game, obviously, but my goodness. And everybody had a hand in it. Mike McGurl was good for the second straight game. You know, he comes back from COVID and has the big game against Texas Tech, followed it up with a double-figure performance against Texas. Um, just everybody did a really, really nice job. K-State had to go small um, in, in the late stages of that game, kind of like they did with, with Texas Tech. And um, they, they got away with it, certainly. And um, they, they were the better team for the 40 minutes, in my opinion. Yeah, especially after that slow start. I was listening to your broadcast. That's how I was keeping up with the game. And I, I, I tell you what, it, a 6 nothing run, you wouldn't think a 6 nothing run with <laughs> three and a half minutes to go is what would get it done. But, you know, that that's what happened. In K-State, we know this team is so good defensively and they can hit some shots in in crunch time, and, and that's what took place. And I tell you what, I, I, I thought one of the – biggest moments of that game it was kind of back-to-back games where Marquise Noel comes through in the clutch and he's not scoring a lot of points but it's a couple of free throws at the end of the game that helps seal the deal but on that play Nigel he just saves the day on on a rebound in short time and he gets fouled but it looked like he like just wiped out on the floor if you watch the, the TV broadcast, it looks it just wipes right. out. And, uh, man, he was so good in that game. Uh, also, and Mike McGurl. I, Mike, in the, the two games against Texas Tech and Texas, coming back from COVID protocol, 23 points and five rebounds, uh, 23 points, five three-pointers combined. I, I yeah. felt like in those two games, if Mike McGurl isn't back from protocol, I'm not sure K-State gets it done because he was hitting some huge shots. He was, and it was so nice to see because, <clears throat> excuse me, this is his sixth and final season. I know he wanted to come back. I wasn't surprised at all that he made the decision that he made. Uh, but but it's been, at least at the beginning of the year, frankly, kind of a frustrating uh, final season for him, honestly, with, you know, with uh, being a little bit dinged up. And then, of course, you know, the COVID protocol stuff. So to see him have some success there was really great. I know he didn't do a whole heck of a lot in the KU game on Saturday, but you, you said it well. K-State does not win either one of those games, in my mind, without Mike McGurl for sure. All right, Wyatt, we'll take a timeout as we're speaking with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. When we come back, we'll do a deep dive into the heartbreaker that was on Saturday, falling to the Kansas Jayhawks in the last seconds of the game on Saturday. You're listening to Wildcat Insider on KMAN. You're listening to Wildcat Insider on KMAN. A reminder, if you want to hear the Jeff Mitty Show coming up at 6 o'clock, that'll be on our sister station, Sunny 102.5, live from Powercast Sports Grill. Here on KMAN at 6 o'clock will be Chiefs Kingdom, and what a win for the Chiefs yesterday in overtime, beating the Buffalo Bills in one of the 
best playoff games I've ever seen. Waddle, get your thoughts on that. How crazy was that Chiefs finish? Basically came down to the coin toss, but also the Chiefs driving with 13 seconds on the clock to kick a field goal to tie it at the end of regulation. I don't know that I've ever seen a game uh, end in regulation quite as with that much fireworks as that one did. Um, I mean, it was just a spectacular show by Patrick Mahomes and Jared Allen. Um, I, I don't even know what to say in, in terms of how special it was. It, it, you just almost sat there in awe watching that. Um, you, you're thinking, or I'm thinking, I guess I won't speak for everybody else, but with 13 seconds to go, it's like they're done. They're dead. And they need 38 or 40 yards to even have a legitimate shot at the Butker field goal, and and I'll be darned if they don't do it. It was. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I know a lot of people have talked about the overtime rules, and and I frankly don't like them either. But they are what they are, and just I I I told I'm sitting here with Karen and her mother, and I I said, hey hey, let me just tell you, the winner of this game is going to win the coin toss. Yep. And, and it kind of turned out to be that way. It was just, it was a special game, though, unbelievable. If you're Crazy. a Chiefs fan, you're okay with the uh, overtime rules for right now for that game. Yeah, it did come <laughs> out. But you know what? The Chiefs got burned uh, in that AFC Championship game back in 2019, losing to Tom Brady in, in that coin toss. So maybe a little redemption in in that aspect. They get bailed out with uh, the ding dong bank, uh, the Bills making the mistake and calling heads on the coin toss. <laughs> We're speaking. You hold that against them forever. Aren't Absolutely, no. you, you never call heads. I mean, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Tells never fails, guys. You've been in sports for a long time. You should know this. Uh, yeah. Speaking of why Thompson, voice of the Cats. Before we get back to K State uh, men's basketball, I do want to mention. I just got this uh, text from Randy Peterson, who is the SID of K State women's basketball. He has let me know that ESPNU will be replaying yesterday's K State Oklahoma game, where Aokalee scored sixty-one points. That'll be replayed tonight on ESPNU at 8 p.m. So if you missed the game, weren't able to be there or watch it on TV, which it was on ESPNU, you can watch the uh, record-breaking performance by Aoka Lee, ESPNU, tonight at 8 o'clock. Now, There'll be tons of K-Staters, by the way, take that. Oh, have it forever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, and I hope like you know somebody puts it on YouTube. Like you can find a whole bunch of games on YouTube. <laughs> Put that whole thing on YouTube. I'll I'll watch it all the time. Somebody cut up all the uh, all the scoring plays for Oakley yeah. and put it on uh, on Twitter. And I've watched that a couple. Yeah, I bet of times. that wasn't any thirty seconds. That it had to be a long time with sixty one points. That's nuts. Oh, it, it was a few minutes, if if I remember correctly. Yeah. It, was a, it was a couple of minutes to, to get all those 20. Uh, it, for, here's a, it, it put it in perspective once again, because I was the public address announcer for that game. I announced Aoka Lee's name. Uh, let's see. If you combined the, the free throw trips and the made field goals, I believe I announced her name 31 times. Uh, all, 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 yeah, yeah. Just the opportunities she she that's created. That is that's that's an insane number, uh, and a, a selfish number, I suppose. If I could throw a stat in there of my own. Um, <laughs> so to the K State men's team in this loss to Kansas, and just a heartbreaker it was losing to number seven KU, and a comeback win for the Jayhawks, seventy eight seventy five. I'll start with this. Are you are you surprised that KU set a record by this is their their biggest comeback in the second half ever? I would have to be honest and say I am a little surprised. When, when I first read that, um, 
and heard it. I, I was surprised because they've done it so many times and they've won so much in the last, you know, 30 years or whatever, even more. Um, but, and, and especially to do it on the road anywhere against anybody, um, I think you have to be really pretty impressed with, with that. But I would have, I, I'm just being honest, I would have guessed it had been a lot more than that, honestly. Yeah, me too. It, it, you know, I know they, they're a blue blood, you know, story, history at KU, but I'm surprised they've never come back from more than 17 points in a second half before. That was really surprising when I heard that. Now, it is a rarity, though, for what they did. I mean, that's, it, yeah. I mean, we've seen it happen to K State, unfortunately, twice in yeah. the season. Very shorthanded at West Virginia was the first one, of course. But but this one really stung because of, of, of how well K State you know, played, uh, especially in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that other uh, that other 17 point comeback was against West Virginia. The Mountaineers come back and beat the Cats, and then uh, it also kind of reminded me of TCU because Ochai Baji hitting that late shot to win the uh-huh. game. When K State did have a chance to take the lead once again, but it didn't happen. An air ball on that final shot. But uh, you're right, Wyatt. Uh, the first half was extremely special. The Cats score 50 points in that first half. And they, they really do so in dominant fashion, shooting around 60%. But, man, what a performance by Nigel Pack altogether. Finished with 35 points in the game, but he was a big reason, a huge reason, that K-State got to 50 points in the first half. Oh, for sure. It just, you know, kind of what, what we talked about with Aoka Lee, and, and, of course, there's a really big difference between 61 and 35 points. I, I understand that. But... <laughs> You could go to a lot of college men's college basketball games in the next ten years and not see anybody shoot eight of twelve from three very often. <laughs> Maybe yeah. you know a handful of times in a, in a college basketball season, I would guess. That's just a guess, but he was special. I mean, he hit everything in the first half, and and so did K State. I mean, they were just short of sixty percent and to score fifty percent against KU. And this is this is not KU's best defensive team, and we all know it. But they still defended at, at a decent level. Uh, and, and you could tell early on in the second half that, that things were going to be a little bit different. I mean, I, K-State didn't have the same juice as I would like to call it in the, in the beginning of the second half. And KU made a couple of adjustments and that's, you know, they do that. Um, but wow, they were good in the first half. Felt great too. Really good. Yeah, Marquise Noel had 11 in the first half. Selton Miguel, I thought, had a good start to his game with seven points. He was getting to the rim, yep. making some drives, making some shots. Uh, and you said it, Wyatt, things were not consistent in the second half. And you know, I would say a part of that was kind of taking the foot off the gas a little bit with the offense. You didn't see the tempo that K-State had in the first, I would say, 15 minutes of the game. They started to slow things down in the final five minutes. But it also let KU kind of settle in on defense. And I didn't really like how the tempo changed and K-State wasn't attacking as much and wasn't efficient as much in the second half. But I will say what was a, a killer, just an absolute killer i'll say i'll see if you agree with me here wyatt rebounding was a major issue in this game on both defense and offense yeah uh, that you nailed it i mean let's just cut to the chase here the rebounds were 45 to 23 and what even is more breathtaking for me uh is the fact that k-state had 23 total rebounds and ku had 18 offensive rebounds and I go to the start of the second half. You, you, I mean, KU got a little bit of a benefit from a, a player or two early and, and cut that, you know, 
50 to 34 lead down way too quickly, you know, towards 12, 10 points. And, and you knew at that time, it was like, uh-oh, here we go. Um, at least that's the way I saw it, called it. I, 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 give, I give KU certainly a lot of credit uh, for the rebounding and what have you. Um, I don't want to take away from K-State's play, though. They, they played a great first half. They had only six turnovers. They played with a smaller lineup a, a lot of the day. They did a lot of good things. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you can't get away from that rebounding. And um, that, that's, to me, that was the ballgame. One of the things I have been impressed with K-State all season long is after those first couple of games, uh, them kind of limiting turnovers. And they really limited turnovers with just six in the game against Kansas, forcing 11 against the Jayhawks. But also, I'll ask you this, Wyatt, as well. Uh, talking on the defensive side for K-State, I, I've really thought a lot about how I felt about the defensive performance. And I've been up like, oh, man, I really liked it, to down where, okay, well, look at points in the paint. And they gave up 40 to the Kansas Jayhawks. So I would say they were good because even the crowd, you know, they were really applauding the the effort. But I, I would say KU also got some easy buckets. How would you grade out the defensive play for K-State? Well, I would say pretty darn good first half. Um, not quite as good in the second. Uh, but, but again, when you play KU and they have that advantage with their length at virtually every position, uh, they they are going to probably win on the glass, but it can't be that dominant. And, and I go back to that. Um, I think you also have to say, I mean, we all knew going in how well Ochai Abaji had been playing, and I thought he played a very solid, consistent game. Stan and I talked in pregame about what one of the concerns was is that after a slow start to the year, Jalen Wilson was starting to come along. But with all of that said, this game was going to probably be about the five position and what does KU get out of David McCormick? Is it going to be more like the 6.4 rebound effort that he had against Oklahoma or the 19 and 15 he had at West Virginia? Unfortunately for K-State, um, he had, what, 11 points and 15 rebounds. That, that's a pretty massive effort. Um, and, and I thought his energy level, and I talked to the KU radio guys afterwards and they agreed with me on this that in the games that i had seen them play on television i don't know that i'd seen him play that consistently uh hard and, and physical and, and they they frankly agreed with me on that so he, he was a big factor in the game no doubt about it no doubt yeah jalen wilson he he was kind of doing a little bit of everything for ku in that game he was hitting some shots uh getting to the free throw line and uh you know just kind of giving k-state a hard time with kind of keeping KU in his possession sometimes. Ochai Abaji was hitting shots, and he was good at the free throw line, also rebounding. And, yeah, David McCormick was just attacking the boards. He had eight offensive rebounds in that game. And, yeah, K-State did struggle down low. That's for sure. The uh, the bigs for K-State, Bruce Weber said it after the game, they need to step up, need more out of them. I completely agree. You know, Casey is missing free throws. He plays nine minutes, and, and he doesn't take a shot. He finished with just yeah. one point. Um, you know, Carlton Lingard, again, I'm a little surprised he's not stealing a few minutes away. He, he, I mean, he played five, six minutes, but I'm surpri still surprised he's not getting a, a little bit more. But uh, also, um, you know, Davion Bradford, he did have four points, but he, um, he, he struggled as well grabbing rebounds. So, I mean, it's no secret at this point where 
the five position is is struggling right now. It, it is, and, and and in all honesty, it was going into the game. Um, if we're really going to be blunt about it, and and they've got to get that figured out. I, I think you, you basically have three options here. You get more out of out of Davion, Casey, and Carlton, or you go smaller more consistently. Uh, th- those are the first two that come to mind. Um, I, I don't know if I would even want to say what the third one would be, but uh, I, I guess I guess I'll. I, I know a lot of fans have asked me about Carlton Lingard and why he didn't get more opportunities. I, I don't know that I have the answer to that, but again, he's he's coming back from injury. He hasn't been back all that long. Uh, but but I think in this game against KU, uh, maybe he could have gotten a few more minutes. Uh, again, I don't want to be, you know, I've, I've never been a guy that questions, you know, the coaching decisions on personnel <laughs> that much because they know a lot more about those guys than I do. But um, it it was a frustrating day from that from that position because at the end of the day, K State just wasn't good enough at that five. They just weren't. Speaking with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. I know we're keeping you a little bit long, Wyatt, but I do have a That's just right. a, a couple more here for you. Uh, one about the game and just uh, man, I I know I was getting incredibly frustrated about this. The fans were getting crazily frustrated about this, um, and I hate to be the guy that kind of points a finger at this. But it got to a blatant point at times where you have to at least call it out, uh, the fouling. It, it, it just it didn't feel consistent, especially when you, you, know, you, <laughs> you have 10 more fouls at the end of the game against your rival in, in what was a physical game on both ends. Yeah. Well, you brought up a very interesting subject because I think on one hand, and I don't want to be a fence rider, I say that a lot in doing these interviews, I think if you're being – honest to yourself, you would have to say that K-State fouled too much, right? I think you would you would agree with that. Yes. But what is extraordinary for me is um, two, two things. One, uh, I, don't, I don't quite understand the difference in the play uh, to where you get called for 8,000 in the first half uh, and, and so many more in the second half and finish with 24, and then KU isn't whistled at all in the final – 1007. I, I mean, that one, that one is mind-boggling to me. But I, I mean, I, I've been covering this league for for 20 years, and uh, it's not like we haven't seen it before. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Why you're uh, about to get on a plane and head down to Waco, Texas? Boy, and that's a that's certainly a big one. Obviously, as K State, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, is is now wrapping up a huge four game stretch where K State's two and one. Give the Cats all the credit in the world for what they've done in the last couple of weeks, but now they take on the defending national champions in the Baylor Bears on Tuesday. So what do you have right now as your preview of uh, Baylor in this game tomorrow? Good question, and and here's what I would start with. Baylor is awfully good. I mean, they just are. Uh, They've lost twice, but interestingly, both at home. Mm -hmm. They're 9-2 and at home, and I just know this. We're not going to see Jared Butler or Macy Oteague or Davion Mitchell or Mark Vidal. Yeah. That's, that's what they lost from a year ago. Now, what we will see is Matthew Meyer in a different role and uh, Adam Flagler in a different role and a couple of two or three new faces that are awfully good players like a Kendall Brown and a James Akinjo. And I don't know if Jeremy Sohan will be available. He's missed the last, what, four and a half games or whatever. 
uh, with an ankle, and he may or may not be able to go. But it's a talented team. Um, I, I think they're. I don't think they're as good as they were last year, especially defensively, but they're still pretty elite. Um, and it is, as you say, wrapping up a, a four-game stretch that probably is as hard as any that K-State has had in recent memory. I, I can't think of four games in a row against top 25 teams, at least for you know a couple of, at least a little while. I'll say it that way. Um, but, man, it's... <laughs> it, <laughs> It's hard playing that many games like that back to back to back to back like that. It's just tough. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And then Ole Miss, that's the game coming up on Saturday, the uh, yeah. the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Uh, I, I would just say about that game, and I, again, I don't want to put you on the spot, Wyatt, because you know, I, mean, I know you're on Baylor right now. I just got to say that Ole Miss is a 500 team. You're going on the road. You have an opportunity to beat a Power 5 team on the road. Uh, and yeah. that is an absolute must win. But I, I think the Cats, that's a game they can certainly win. Oh, sure. I, I will say this. They're 9-9. Nine and nine. They're probably better than that. But maybe not right now. And if that confuses everybody, I guess I'll explain that. Uh, Jarkel Joyner, one of their few returning starters, is out uh, with an injured back. Not expected back at least until probably late February, if then. And one of their other top players, a 6'8 senior, Robert Allen, has been out and probably will miss the rest of the season Mm -hmm. with a knee. So there are reasons why they have struggled of late, and they've lost three in a row. That's not to say they're not without talent. They have a McDonald's All-American point guard in Deshaun Ruffin, a pretty good little two-guard in Matthew Morrell. Uh, They have a Duke transfer in Jamin Brakefield. So they've got skill, and playing them there will be a challenge. But, yes, you're right. It is a winnable game. And if you can split this week, um, I, again, I don't want to give any away. I'm, I think K-State will fight Baylor. Uh, and I'll say this, Oklahoma State really caught them in a good time. Um, maybe K-State will too. If, if yeah. K-State plays anywhere in the vicinity of what they did in the first 20 minutes from Saturday, they can make a game out of it. I'll just end with this. From what we've seen in Big 12 play from K-State and really throughout the season, there's no doubt K-State's going to battle. It's just how do they finish the game. Exactly right. And, and you know, you've got to their their big guys are not I mean Flo Thamba is not David McCormick. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Chamacatua could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's six eight and two fifty and extremely athletic and strong. Uh so it, it's a different challenge, but it's a hard challenge for sure. All right, Wyatt, safe travels down to Waco and we'll talk to you next week. You bet, partner. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson here on Wildcat Insider. When we come back, we'll finish up our number one. Uh, K-State Athletics Department has found a, a couple of ways of honoring Aoka Lee. Those details are next. Always feeling the Motley Crew. Take that any day of the week, any hour of the day, any minute of the hour, any second of the minute. I'll take some Motley Crue. One of my favorite concerts I've ever been to. Wildcat Insider continues on KMAN. Do have a little bit of uh, breaking news on the football side of things for K-State football. They have promoted Brian LePac. He was a, a quality control personnel for K-State who uh, ended up in a recruiting role with uh, a couple of departures, obviously, from the football staff over the, 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 the portion of the year between the final game of the regular season and the bowl game with the departure of Jason Ray and also Courtney Messingham. He stepped in to do a little bit of recruiting. 
Now he's getting to uh, step up his title at K-State. He'll be moving to the tight ends and fullback spot. He'll be coaching uh, that personnel. I, I mean, I, I like the hire. I like the uh, promoting from within, which K-State has already done that with Colin Klein. Moving from quarterback's coach to now offensive coordinator slash quarterback's coach. That's according to uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had A.D. Gene Taylor on the show saying that most likely Colin Klein will be sticking with the quarterbacks as well. So I just like the opportunity. There's not much more you can really add to that with uh, Brian LePac. So cool opportunity. Uh, some I would say, you know, K-State obviously utilizes the fullback tight ends just a little bit more. So this is kind of his way to show his uh, – Way to show his chops as a as a coach. One of the things I'm sorry. That's okay. One of the things that stands out really with any of those analyst roles or, or support roles really is that you're either working towards getting them on your staff full time as a potential coach or building for their next position. I mean, we see Alabama do it all the time where they bring guys in that have been former coaches at other places. As just as an example, Alabama does it a lot because they tend to get the the guys that have lost their SEC jobs because Nick Saban beat them. Uh, so you know, in K State's case, great opportunity, and, and it's good to see that it uh, comes from within that they're able to promote from within on one of those positions. I would say if there was something that I wasn't a big fan of, it's the lack of experience. Uh, Brian Lepanke did coach the Titans and fullbacks for the bowl game. And that's really the extent mm-hmm. of the uh, experience, I suppose. I mean, Colin Klein has had one game of of calling plays, and he did a phenomenal job. But also keep in mind, you know, LSU was missing a ton of guys in that game. So hey, stop harshing my. Well, novel. hey, 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 hey. I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm just throwing things out there. I'm just saying a, some facts. Okay. You know, uh-huh. it would be great if K State was that team that got you know assistance from other teams, and hey, we can give you some more cash, and you come here and make us even better. That's just not where K-State is and really never no, know, has been. No. But, um, that's just the spot K-State's in and really not even necessary to complain because it's the way it's going to be. Now, I will say, though, I did want to mention this about Aoka Lee. So, real quick, a couple of things that I, I think is really cool. So, K-State has put together this uh, $61 ticket pa- package to honor Aoka Lee. So to celebrate the 61-point performance, uh, K-State is doing these uh, single-game scoring record tickets that will go on sale at 6.10 today. It will last for 61 hours. It's $1 tickets. It's $1 tickets that will remain on sale for 61 hours, and it's for the TCU game on Saturday. And that's a 6.30 tip-off, so a night game on Saturday. Honestly, if it's not sold out, I'm going to be shocked because this is coming off a 61-point performance by the national, <laughs> the, the nation's best player. Sell out Bramlage Coliseum. Show your support for this K-State women's basketball team and for the best player in the country, Aoka Lee. Also, one thing I am just absolutely loving right now is when I saw this tweeted out by Randy Peterson, the SID of K-State women's basketball, and that is um, her jersey and the game ball will be forever enshrined unless uh, unless the record's broken. But I would imagine they'll keep it around. Uh, they're going to put it into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. I think that's an amazing honor. It's going to happen right away. It's already in the box. It's on its way to Springfield, Massachusetts. 
another heck of an honor there for Aokali, who's also, you know, you might imagine the Big 12 Player of the Week. Jalen Glenn was the Big 12 Freshman of the Week. K-State women's basketball just cleaning everything up right now. And also Aokali, the ESPN Player of the Week. Hour two of the game, more on Aokali, and uh, also hats off to Nigel Pank for his performance against the Kansas Jayhawks.